Learn the multi-jurisdictional issues and challenges facing our international businesses with insights and interviews in a global perspective with Dr. Adriana Sanford, coming up right now. Today we have the opportunity to interview Wilfred Grauman, who is the Chief Technology Officer for Hewlett Packard Enterprises in Europe, in Middle East, and in Africa. Good morning, Wilfred. How are you doing? Good morning, uh, Eric. Good to hear you. I would like to ask you some questions, and uh, these questions involve privacy and data protection and as well as transparency, which are issues that are concerning to our U.S. companies. And we'd like to get kind of a bird's-eye view from your end on these topics and, and what you think. first one would be the EU privacy and data protection rules the important role that they actually play for the tech industry. Could you talk to us a little bit about the EU privacy and data protection rules for our listeners that perhaps don't know much about this subject, and it's it's a very important one for them. Yes, uh, definitely, and I think for our American friends it's uh, maybe important to highlight that, of course, privacy is for Europeans an important uh, important issue, as we really even regard it as one of the fundamental rights of human beings in Europe, so that's why there's so much importance adhered to it. For that reason, the European Union, uh, with Parliament and Commission and Council, have in fact agreed upon one, what they call the Global Data Protection Regulation, which is a regulation which means that it's going to be applicable to all the countries uh, part of the European Union. Um, and that were, that kind of uh, regulation will start to be uh, enforceable from May uh, 25 in uh, 2018. So that's not uh, not uh, not far from us. Now, the importance of that regulation is, uh, first of all, of course, it does impose uh, the importance of privacy to all the companies, but also public institutions in all the countries. But it's also, I think, important uh, from a from, uh, for an industry uh, to really uh, take care of it. And you can see it as a kind of, uh, it could be regarded as a stick, but it also could be uh, regarded as maybe as a carrot to do some things well. Um, so maybe just for, for, for to understand what's important of that regulation is that, first of all, it's really enforceable. That means that for the first time there are fines, uh, you know, uh, have been defined even up to 2% and 4% of the annual turnover. And you can imagine that for companies like Amazon or, or Google, this, this is, of course, big, uh, big, big, big money, so very important. Um, secondly, it really states some important uh, you know, things people have to take care of. Uh, people have to give, as an example, explicit consent when they want to share sensitive personal data or just to inform you that if there is a breach on privacy, there must be notifications within uh, 72 hours. Uh, there's a kind of a number of, uh, say, elements of this regulation which I think industry should, should be take care of. So that's, uh, that's, I think, everybody should realize that. And, uh, you know, the, the positive point of view, which we as an industry uh, look at it, is, is that, of course, now we get, for the first time, a complete consistent regulation framework in every country, where previously you had more stringent regulations in France and Germany. Now I think all the countries are going to be, have a kind of a common regulation. Um, that is, I think, some of the positive things. Some of the more difficult things, of course, that uh, uh, organizations have to prepare for this, 
and have to find tools and processes and maybe audit uh, audits which really allow them to really take care and prove that they adhere to the privacy regulations. Yes. One of the issues is that the companies, the larger companies, need to hire a data protection officer internally, correct? That is absolutely the case, and I think the larger companies have done that. I think there's no uh, no other way you can otherwise, you know, assure the compliance with this, yes. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, and this is not only applicable to companies that have a presence there, but it is broader in scope, correct? It actually will... Um, Companies that are either doing business or monitoring or marketing to the EU also must comply with this new regulation. Is that correct? Yes, that's absolutely correct what you state. And then one of the things what uh, from a pure, pure say, it, uh, classification, the data processors and, uh, and the data controllers are both now covered by the same legislation. You could really regard the data controller as the ones which offer you the uh, the service directly to the say to the end users, but as an example, the cloud providers, uh, which are the more data data processors in a certain way, people you uh, we are processing that on behalf of the controllers, they are also you know will be covered by that same legislation. Correct. Mm-hmm. I think this 72-hour notice for breaches is is a good thing. I think you know especially in the wake of the hack attacks this uh, 72-hour notice will be very helpful for the consumers. And, you know, regardless of the fact of what we're doing here in the United States, if companies must comply with this new part of the regulation in Europe, we here in the United States will be hearing about these, you know, breaches, uh, any hack attacks uh, much sooner than we are right now in, in some cases. So I think this is going to be very beneficial for us here in the United States as well. Now, the other issue that we have is the privacy shield. The privacy shield came as a result of the invalidation of the safe harbor agreement. And we had the umbrella agreement in between, and then we had this privacy shield. How do you see the privacy shield working? Right now we have, I believe, it's about 1,500 companies that, have, that are using it and several are pending. Can you talk to me a little bit about the EU-US privacy shield and how, how you see that working? Yeah, you know, all the history behind it, we had a kind of an agreement between the uh, U.S. Uh, market and the, say, or U.S. regulations and the uh, EU regulations, which was a safe harbor agreement, which really allowed, in fact, that uh, American companies acting uh, on, uh, say, it and guarding uh, data of uh, European citizens had a kind of a global agreement that they would, uh, you know, uh, adhere to the legislation to do so and take care of that privacy privacy for these uh, European citizens. Now, then, there has been this kind of, um, you know, uh, upfront actions where, in fact, in, in Ireland, this has been questioned, uh, you know, if that, if that really was a safe, a safe harbor. And finally, the European Court of Justice has said that, in fact, this was a valid, a valid complaint. And for that reason, the uh, EU and the U.S. have then negotiated a, a new agreement uh, which they have baptized the, um, the Privacy Shield. That Privacy Shield has now been agreed and uh, is now in, uh, in fact, uh, actually, I think, as you just told, already, uh, you know, accepted by quite a significant number of, of, of companies. So in a certain way, I think that um, from a pure legal perspective and from our perspective, 
perspective as European citizens, we are very, we are very glad that, in fact, Safe Harbor continues uh, to be invalid through the renewed contract, which is now the, the Privacy Shield one. I think the biggest concern exists if, you know, now there is still, say, it, uh, activities around this one, if the Privacy Shield will stand, in fact, the, uh, the criticism. But that is a, uh, there is a quite, you know, there are two opinions. People really said, you know, there's no other way to really in the digital world uh, of today to have this kind of certainties that we need these kind of frame contracts between the geopolitical entities like the U.S. and the EU. And so I, I think uh, there's a rather positive sentiment that this is a, you know, a kind of a stable, uh, a stable legal uh, framework in between the two, two uh, to say it uh, once again, continents. Mm -hmm. And this is a really interesting point, whether or not this will survive. And the reason this came about was because of the issue, and correct me if I'm wrong, because we felt in Europe that uh, privacy and data, we wanted to make sure that it would be protected. And as a result of the Snowden, Ed Snowden revelations, there was much concern as to who had access to this information. Now, if that being the case, I'd like to bring you to the other point, which is in the UK with the Snooper Charter, which was the new legislation that came out where they said that mass surveillance, that they would be doing mass surveillance in their country. Wouldn't they have the same challenge that the US is having with the rest of the EU, considering the, e the UK now with Brexit is going to be leaving the EU? Won't they need to negotiate a similar agreement with the EU member countries? on this issue because obviously their position and their approach to fighting, I guess, terrorism and organized crime and whatnot is somewhat similar to the way the U.S. has been handling it, which is they believe in mass surveillance. Yeah, there's a very, very, very sensitive item here, I think, in, in Europe. And as you just stated, um, there's, a, there's a lot of political uh, uh, upheaval and uh, this sentiment about what has happened and the revelations. So, I'm not really sure that you know that uh, other European countries would 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 accept this kind of mass surveillance. Uh, I think there's of course everything has to do with the fact has there been a kind of uh, has there been an agreement? Has there been a, a, a judge in fact calling upon any of these surveillances and release data? But as a ma as a massive kind of Spionage and looking at it, I don't think that in any 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 European legislation. I'm not talking about the, the British now. This would mm -hmm. be accepted. Now, even on the British side, it's rather strange because also you should talk about what happens now with Brexit. I just read an article uh, or heard on the news that, as an example, in uh, in the UK, that the um, the minister of digital economy, Matt Hancock. Uh, just stated that you know they would adhere probably after Brexit to the kind of same data privacy regulations as uh, GDPR. So their their new regulations would uh, really be formed on the base of uh, of the GDPR. So so I don't think that the UK will drift far apart from what the rest of Europe actually has around this topic. Interesting. That's that's good to note. Can I take you to another area which? I think our listeners would really enjoy uh, hearing a little bit about. That area is uh, blockchain technology. We're interested in talking about transparency through the supply chain. 
and how perhaps blockchain technology might improve and I counterfeiting measures in the supply chain. Could you talk to us a little bit about that? Yes, definitely. Um, so it is very interesting if you talk about the, uh, the how to introduce some, some transparency and, 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 and in, uh, in handling, uh, as example, in the, the transactions in the supply chain. And, you know, there have been different technologies uh, already, you know, been tested recently, like we are quite aware about people introducing uh, even digital certificates for, for high-quality goods, so to really... Uh, you know, uh, counter the counterfeiting kind of things, but but blockchain is something very very interesting. I think um, which has some kind of intrinsic uh, advantages, which I'm more than happy to explain. So if you look at purely, you know, if you talk about supply chain today, is very suboptimal uh, from a transparency perspective. You know, we have counterfeiting products, we have diverted goods, we have even stolen mercantile. Uh, there's a lot of people doing tax avoidance, uh, there are fraudulent transactions, and this really has to do that the supply chain from a pure document perspective on an end-to-end process lacks all the, 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 the continuous aid, you know, handover points, uh, misses really transparency. Uh, just as an example, I, I, we, we're talking about if you have to do a freight carrier from East Africa to Europe, you are, there are around 30 organizations dealing with that, and that's around 200 interactions. So you can imagine wow. what can happen. That's right. just amazing. And there are, there are even uh, studies which reveal that the cost associated with, uh, with document uh, tracking, you know, is, 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 is one-fifth of the actual physical transportation cost today. That's purely on a costing level, and then we're just, you know, giving the indication of transparency. And, and so what is blockchain then? very very shortly explained blockchain is a technology where you really use in fact the transactions uh, one after another and you log them in a distributed ledger or distributed database system that then really maintains continuously this this growing list of records or transactions with timestamps and these these you know this is why it's called these blocks you know these are these records and they are locked as one chain that's the way you can look at it and then based on the permissions of the people looking at that all the participants can really have an end-to-end visibility on what happened with say it from that uh, end-to-end transport uh or from that container coming from one side to the end and uh, and what's very interesting because it's everybody can have a look into the same transaction chain no one can delete or append the record or without the consent of the majority of the others. So that, that really gives a kind of, uh, when I said, a complete, you know, it, uh, secured um, chain where everybody can see what is happening with, that, with, with these transactions. And clear advantages is that um, you have improved workflow. Uh, there's better visibility, there's a better efficient way to handle documentation, reduces the fraud and the errors, could even say reduces the time of the products in transit, improve maybe inventory management and, and the waste and the cost. And so it's a very interesting uh, breakthrough. And blockchain, as you know, came from the, the Bitcoin invention by our, our very famous and unknown Satoshi Nakamoto. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, dates from 2008, 
And I think that more business sectors are now introducing and looking at because it's such an interesting technology. And so I totally agree with you. This this is, is something which can can very much impact the transparency of uh, trade in the world. Well, I think I think it's it's, it's fascinating, and, and I guess can could this go a step further, or has it gone a step further to where companies can actually use this also um, to kind of keep track of um, you know human rights issues as well because we've, we've got violations you know human right related risks in some of these countries and is there a way to tie this or to be able to track and make sure that we you know that we don't have any issues in this area um, because again that's a big issue for our companies is to make sure that everyone down the supply chain is complying with the laws and in France, we have a new due diligence law, you know, that has said basically the, the company has to come up with a due diligence plan, especially with regards on human rights-related uh, risks and whatnot. So this could this technology be used for that? As well as my other question is, can we use it to keep track also of the requirements under the EU Data Protection Directive, you know, the privacy by, de- uh, by design, privacy by default, all of these issues, we need to make sure that there's not going to be any hack attacks within the supply chain. Can we use this blockchain to keep track of these additional issues, these additional concerns? Yeah, we, I, I, I hear you and I hear your enthusiasm, and I don't want, <laughs> want uh, too much to disappoint it, but we're not going to boil the ocean with, with, uh, with blockchain, <laughs> not yet. all of it. So we're not going to solve all the issues of the world with blockchain. But you make a valid point that, as I just said, based it, you know, it has been invented as an uh, as an idea to really introduce digital coins in a certain way. Um, it now has, in fact, been there's quite in uh, there's a whole ecosystem of researchers and startups, fintech and so whatever, trying to apply this technology because it has inherent capabilities which are very unique. Uh, very unique means it is a distributed ledger. You know, it is. Uh, it is secure by design, as you just referred to. It's, uh, it has a practically Byzantine fault tolerance. You know, it introduces concepts of decentralized consensus, uh, and so on and so on. And so, uh, you uh, take the advantage. You took some examples, but as example, medical records, as an example, is another one mm-hmm. where you could really say in the uh, you know introduction tomorrow about uh, what people medical records and how you follow on everybody who is in fact um, doing and handling on your on your on your health and it get registered and so on gives a complete good 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 view on that and so this 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 uh, distributed everybody contributes and it is then completely secured and it can be not audited or changed in a certain way and corrupted gives the transparency which you refer to and uh, identity management we are in a in kind of a project where where we talk about uh, the whole immigration issue people crossing borders and so on and so on and you know it's exactly the same kind of thing where you could say these kind of technologies would give a, a much more secured and distributed and transparent way how how we just look at identity and how people uh, are in fact uh, you know uh, proving Proving who they are and proving that they are valid there, or proving that they're invalidly there. You know, it's a, right, it's right. both of them. Um, and and then I think so. So the long answer on, on on your question. It has enormous potential, and it definitely, through its security by design and privacy by design, will help the transparency agenda. 
<laughs> and maybe we can create new technology more on these other issues that will mimic or follow in some way what's going on with the blockchain and help us in these other areas where we need, where our multinationals need to have a better view of what's going on down the supply chain. I mean, if we haven't created it, maybe this will inspire them to take this kind of an approach. I don't know. I mean, maybe... In, in general, you know, the, 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 the pickup of technologies goes through an acceleration process. Uh, you see that with the Internet age in which we are. And so the, the upcoming of blockchain is, is really an accelerated process. Now, let's, let's be very realistic. In, uh, if, if we have to, to change an example, I'm involved in, uh, in, 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 um, in projects around the, uh, the uh, digitization of the harbor of, 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 of Antwerp. Now, to have all the trading partners align around the same kind of technologies to adopt that, um, that will take some time. So it's, uh, there is going to be an adoption rate, uh, which, uh, which, we, which just has to do with processes and people and, and so on. But with the, with the big international players jumping on it, industry sectors, and I think even public sector will, will endorse that, I do predict a kind of uh, some very interesting um, projects and programs and application domains which will benefit from this new technology, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and these new developments will then be mimicked and, you know, other parts of the world are, are looking at what the EU is doing and, and their framework and, and adopting pieces of this. I know in Latin America we're seeing even Chile just now um, has a new bill out there with regards to privacy and uh they're working on that and, and data protection, and I think it's inspiring a lot of countries to move forward on this issue and to move forward with transparency. Um, I think uh, Mexico has been working on transparency and building more uh, foundations of trust and, and, and transparency, and we're seeing the same thing with Brazil, and uh, hopefully they, the EU you know, framework will continue to inspire other countries to move forward. Well, I thank you for being with us today, and... Um, is there any other word that you can, you know, anything else that you can tell us with regards to what's coming or information that you can provide no, us? No, I, I just wanted to, first of all, so thank you for this interview and having the chance to uh, to talk on, on this radio station. But I think the most important thing I think we all have to realize, I think that the digital transformation and digital gets now by default entrenched, I think, in our societal process and industrial processes and, and public uh, public uh, life processes. And I think uh, these kind of technologies, as we just referred to, are just enablers, enablers, I think, of a completely new way of how we act and transact with each other. And I think legislations like the, um, the privacy legislation in Europe as an example, can only benefit, I think, from these kind of uh, technologies. Uh, and that, I think, is a very, very positive evolution. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being with us. We have been listening to Wilfred Grumman, Chief Technology Officer for Hewlett Packard Enterprises in Europe, Middle East, and Africa. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to A Global Perspective with Dr. Adriana Sanford on the Manufacturing Talk Radio Network at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.